this manager broke every standard operating procedure, but he treated me like a human being. And he put me as an individual in the center of his decision-making versus protocol, if you will. And I have to tell you that he gave me dignity that for 15 years I didn't have. And more than anything, you think about servant leadership, it's more about providing people with dignity. Welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a force for good. We believe that it's their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. I'm Jeff Bond, and today I'm thrilled to feature the inspiring Anita Ward, who serves on the Atlanta Chapter Board of Conscious Capitalism and is the Chief Development Officer for Salary Finance, which is transforming lives through financial wellness, through technology and innovation. On top of being recognized in the top 100 fintech of sustainable development goals, influencers, real change leaders, Forbes, CIO magazine, and more, Anita is an applied anthropologist with truly some of the most insightful views I've heard on how to be a conscious capitalist. You'll hear more about how her family navigated poverty in her early childhood, what fundamentally changed once she shared this story publicly a few years ago, the benefits she's learned about vulnerability and leadership and how everything has come full circle to her position of leadership influence today, which she uses largely towards service on nonprofit boards around Atlanta. This is just a wonderful story of overcoming the odds and being someone who is truly making a positive mark in the world today. All right, let's jump into this chat with Anita Ward. I really wanted to start with what do you wish that everyone knew about your story and how that's led you to defining your purpose and your why? You know, Jeff, if you had asked me this question two years ago, I would have had a very different answer. A couple of years ago, I realized that the best way for me to tell my story was to really tell my story and exhibit vulnerabilities. So for years, as an anthropologist, I talked about how important it was to be an authentic leader and vulnerable and, you know, caring and kind. But the truth was, I had the secret that I never shared. And it, I realized it truly did define me because my family lived in 13 places. I think it was 10 cities and four states. And that was before I was 15 years old. So for most of my childhood, we were basically homeless. It wasn't that we lived in 13 places in 13 homes that I could say, I live at 123 Peachtree Street. I was couch surfing. We were staying with family and friends. We would stay with relatives. You know, it, and it wasn't so much that my parents didn't have a job, but they were financially illiterate. They really struggled to find their financial footing. And I recall that it was a bit right before my 15th birthday and we were living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. My dad piled four kids and mom into a U-Haul and we drove from Harrisburg to Las Vegas, which, by the way, next to Atlanta is one of my favorite cities in the world. But Las Vegas was going to be, you know, his his golden ticket. This is where, you know, life was going to change for us. And that trailer became our home for a bit. And we struggled, you know, staying at a rest stop. And I remember eating out of vending machines as we crossed the country. 
And the thing that changed my life was I was fortunate enough to find a job at McDonald's on Maryland Parkway. And uh, that manager, when I got paid, realized that I looked like maybe I was confused or maybe I need help. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was divine intervention. But he leaned in and said, do you have a bank account? And I said, no. And he said, well, how do you cash your checks? And I'm like, well, my mom does them, you know, at Binion's. So basically check cashing and maybe it's craziest form. If you, <laughs> if you think about the idea of, you know, going to a casino as a check cashing as a financial services, although God bless Binion's too. But he said, let me show you how to open up a bank account. And he took the time as a, a manager of a McDonald's to help me figure out how do you get a bank account? And he was so kind. I mean, I would take the food, the leftovers home to the family, right? Or normally I think that they probably just throw it away or whatever it is they do. I mean, this manager broke every standard operating procedure, procedure, but he treated me like a human being. And he put me as an individual in the center of his decision-making versus protocol, if you will. And I have to tell you that he gave me dignity that for 15 years I didn't have. And more than anything, you think about servant leadership, it's more about providing people with dignity than it is anything else. So uh, eventually we found our financial footing. Las Vegas was sort of the golden ticket for my dad and my family. And, and much more than Pennsylvania, Las Vegas is home. If you ask me, you know, where did you grow up? I'm more inclined to say Nevada than I am Pennsylvania. So it became, um, it became an anchor for, for me, for us. And I think that when I, when I explore leadership, that manager left the greatest impression on me, not because I can even remember his name, right? But he left this impression on me that the most important part of leadership is caring. And it's kindness. And at the end of the day, he doesn't know that he changed the trajectory of my life. I, I mean, fundamentally gave me a new pathway and broke what could have been generational cycles of, you know, poverty or despair. And, uh, and really, you know, helped me and my family find an, a life of dignity. So that early story, I was always embarrassed to tell because it, you know, I was an executive of a bank. I can't possibly tell them, you know, I, I grew up in poverty. I was financially illiterate. I, I will tell you, Jeff, that now I openly say that the first time I got options at the bank, I had no idea what they were. I, I thought, what do I do with these things? And so there, there is this sort of foundational piece that we as conscious leaders need to embrace and accept. And I think it's all rooted around dignity. And obviously that ties into conscious capitalism and particularly as it relates to purpose and people. But my story, while I thought it was embarrassing, I realized a couple of years ago that in fact, it very much shaped me, but now I truly was honestly being vulnerable and authentic. For 20 years, I had basically told lies about how important I thought 
authenticity was. And here I was not even, you know, sharing my own authentic story. So there, there was a pivot point where I realized that there were a lot of people, a lot of Anitas, right, who are out there who find their lives in the, that same position. And so maybe if I could be vulnerable enough to share my story, that maybe it would let other people identify and, you know, embrace it. And but for more than anything, it was a bit carth- uh, 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 um, cathartic to just be myself, truly, honestly, myself. <laughs> and that's me, the product of McDonald's. <laughs> well, you're uh, you're great at being you're a great a human and, and great at being yourself. And it is a gift to be able to share that story with others. And I wondered, so when was that moment where you did share your story and what context and and you said there was a pivot, but what has exactly fundamentally changed about your leadership and the way you, your relationships play out in that leadership since then? Oh, yeah. So this is a really interesting question because the day that it changed was a day that um, the leaders from next door were coming to Atlanta and they asked us to be part of an event, event that they were having at the food bank. And it was really going to be about what could, how could Nextdoor help at a very local level with people? And why was that important? And I have to tell you, Jeff, when I walked into the food bank, and it was a small gathering, maybe 20 people from Atlanta, 20 you know, champions of, of social change. And I remember thinking, I need to tell my story because without organizations like the food bank, you know, and Catholic charities and these nonprofits, my family many times wouldn't have eaten. So it was, it was as if the planets had kind of aligned. And I thought, you know, this, this is the right thing to do. It's the right time to um, say it. And what was, I think what was really important to that was that it was the food bank and the CEO from next door, Sarah Fryer, she's an amazing leader and she made it very comfortable for me to have that conversation unknowingly. So the safe, the space was safe and it was almost like a test run, if you will, (laughs) but you need that, that safe space, I think. um, And a leader like Sarah to make you feel comfortable in sharing what I hadn't shared for 25 years. And, and I think vulnerability and authenticity and, and being able to connect with people on that level as an executive leader uh, has become a little bit more of the status quo. But what has previously been the status quo when it comes to leaders being vulnerable that you kind of now reject through your own personal experience? You know, it's no different from checking any other box, right? It's one thing to say, I'm this vulnerable leader. I've got this open door. Look, come in, talk to me. Yeah, that's important. But until you actually truly share that story and, and truly are a part of that, then maybe it is, it's not authentic. I have, I'm a big fan girl of Hubert Jolet, um, the former CEO at Best Buy. I, if you have not read The Heart of Business, please give it a read. But he talks about how he had a coach. Now, I will tell you my first thought about an executive coach is why, what's wrong? You know, 
when when Chase said we're offering executive coaching, I'm like, what what is it in my you know what am I missing? I took it as almost an affront. But he's he was such an authentic leader. He had this coach, but then he went to people on his team and said, "Look, I'm really trying to improve these four things. What should I do? How can you know? What, give me feedback." Oh my gosh, I don't know about you, but the first 360 performance review I ever had, I, I was devastated. Right. But I think that vulnerability really relies on acceptance and almost goes back to that dignity. You want to listen. I want to talk. I'm Italian. I'm a big talker. <laughs> I, I needed to listen. And my pivot point caused me or, or helped me maybe become more accepting of input, where in the past, that wall that was up was because I was insecure with this sort of hidden secret, right? Like, oh my God, I'm going to get discovered. I really don't belong in this environment. What am I doing at the CEO summit? I mean, there's all these insecurities that come from. You can't be vulnerable until you've fully accepted yourself for who you are. So when I heard that story um, that Hubert shared, I thought, that's exactly right, right? I should be soliciting Input. I should be. It's it's no different from any other focus group when you're trying to build product or help yourself. Am I truly being authentic? What do I need to work on? And that is a scary proposition. So every day I'm in the position of, you know, seeking collaboration and seeking help, but doing it in a very intentional fashion versus pretending like, oh, this is my input. I have this, you know, I have this 360 review look. So it's it really has changed my behavior significantly. So servant leadership now for me is really about listening and then acting. Where before I felt like I knew all the answers to all the problems and let me just fix this problem for Jeff. Let me fix it for Tom. Let me fix it. But instead, I would never let them get to Z. Right. I'd get to B and C. I've got this problem solved. And I realized that maybe leadership isn't about being the superhero that swoops in and saves the day in her, you know, pretty pink cape or whatever that happens to be. But but it's really about truly bringing out the best of everybody together. And you can't be a servant leader unless you provide that dignity and that platform and that opportunity for others to share their stories, for others to share their vulnerabilities, for others to share and collaborate with you. And really, at the end of the day, as cliche as it sounds, it's you're better together. Um, there's this sort of human spirit or human magic that happens that gets unleashed when you give people a safe space and a platform and listen. So I truly have truly have changed. And, you know, I guess also when I, I first started thinking about and dabbling in conscious capitalism, initially as sort of a good read, right? <laughs> 10 years ago, I was like, oh, I need to read this. I, I like John Mackey. <laughs> oh, that Raj Sisodia, he's a cool dude. Let, let me read this. And, and you sort of, I sort of assimilated it, but I truly didn't start to live it until the last few years where Everything is about human-centered design. Everything is about purpose and underlying values. And 
you know, having this moral compass that I think conscious capitalism provides reminds me every day how to stay rooted in, in, in a new kind of capitalism and how, yes, profits will be there, but they shouldn't be your focus. They're just an outcome of doing the right thing. And so it took me 25 years to get here, but I'm suddenly on fire with the idea that purpose and people, as simple as it is, as anthropological, I'm an anthropologist, I should have gotten this a long time ago, but as anthropological as it is, people and purpose truly are at, at the heart of, of success, at, are at the heart of social movements, are at the heart of every business. So if you fundamentally don't provide that dignity, then you have the great resignation, don't you? <laughs> you do, and here we are. <laughs> I'm quite current. Yeah, and your, uh, your ideas are so powerful. And I know our listeners, particularly aspiring leaders who are moving into this and want to thwart kind of the searching for this purpose and searching for vulnerability and what actually works, you know, they're going to appreciate the heads up that you've now given them through your 25 years of experience and coming into this world. And you mentioned conscious capitalism, which is how you and I have met through your uh, board membership and then me being on the leadership team as the Marcon chair and what a gift it's been. And I also really love about you, Anita, and that you are very involved in nonprofit boards uh, around Atlanta and, and focus on social impact. So what really has been the impact on your career and your leadership and your influence through that involvement? So first, the shout out to the Woodruff Arts Center. It's easy at a time when we're talking about financial well-being to focus on um, small business initiatives and you know, financial well-being and financial uplift and somehow the arts get relegated to a very different position. So, so for me, my son is an entertainer. He's a jazz singer. Talk about, you know, um, a, a young person who's, who's committed to jazz and crooners and Quincy Jones and, you know, uh, a very different world. And my nephew is in the Hamilton cast in L.A., and I watched over the last couple of years the impact of a pandemic on their lives and the impact of what happens when you take away the stage, what happens when you take away the platform and people can't operate and can't get paid and can't do what they love. So my commitment to nonprofits is one first note, not unlike conscious capitalism, right? Go where your passions are. I am very passionate about the arts. I am very passionate about the Woodruff Arts Center. I'm very passionate that there are groups of young people for whom there are a million opportunities in the arts, whether it's performers or it's managing the business or it's the, all of the peripheral pieces that it takes to run a business or run a museum or run a symphony or run an orchestra. I mean, there are lots of young people who need to be bolstered and supported in that arena. But I'm also, on the other hand, also quite passionate about things like the Ricey Center, what Jay Bailey is doing with building up small businesses and providing, again, safe harbor, right? There's a safe place to go experiment, a sandbox to create small businesses. And the success that they're having is incredible. So what that does to me is it kind of harkens back on who I was and where I was. It harkens back to my youth that 
let's provide this same open opportunity for the little Anitas who might be building their own taco stands or, or look at Pinky. I mean, amazing things that are happening here in Atlanta in small business. So I, it changes your perspective. It forces you to be empathetic. If you, that's not, that's not fair. Let me take that back, Jeff. It doesn't force you. You have to accept being empathetic. It gives you an opportunity to be empathetic, but you have to intentionally choose whether or not you're going to go and support a young entrepreneur that's working with Jay, or you're going to go support Hala at the art. I mean, there's this intentional piece. You can close your eyes and pretend like the world is going on, but conscious capitalism doesn't allow you to do that. If you truly are focused on purpose and people and kindness and caring and that intentionality that goes with it, then the nonprofits provide a pathway for you to support that effort and support what uh, conscious capitalists are attempting to do uh, along the way. So my commitment broadly to Atlanta is really in what I think of as a redefinition of civic leadership. I think we are we have to really revisit what does it mean to be a civic leader and what does that get associated with versus the traditional models of civic leadership. And it is more than writing a check. It's are you prepared to open your relationship capital in support of this broader ecosystem? And that could be opening up for a young student that you meet at, at high school as easily as it could be for one of the entrepreneurs at the Ricey Center or the, the symphony. So uh, how, how intentional do you want to be around this? And what kind of a civic leader do you want to be? You know, shouting that from the rooftops. And here in Atlanta, we have, you know, we have so many opportunities and we're such an incredible city when it comes to all of the different pathways where you can get involved. We've got wonderful leaders here. And so for me, the nonprofit world is an important part of who I am, an important part of what I think we should be supporting as leaders. I agree. And those are great questions to be asking ourselves in terms of what type of intentional and civic leader do we want to be? And I agree with you wholeheartedly that Atlanta is one of the more civically engaged business communities and what a gift that is from social entrepreneurs up to enterprise leaders and everything in between. And, uh, and I love how that kind of private public and education sector, they're such a great amalgamation of all these people just working together and and we can't take our foot off the gas because there's still a lot of issues around reconciliation and just need from our neighbors our legacy citizens and really that humanistic approach and and profitable conscious businesses have a great capacity to impact and effectuate change so really appreciate your point your your thought leadership in that anita this has been such a, a great conversation and and i would love to direct more people to follow you and and to get to know you a little bit more, where would you direct them online uh, to do that? Yeah, so I would send them over to um, salaryfinance.com. I am most excited about being the chief development officer for Salary Finance. We are changing the world of financial services. We're opening up the doors to inclusive capital. Um, We're writing personal loans to people who are marginalized, to have nowhere to go except predatory lenders. We're recreating what voluntary benefits are. So, you know, you can learn more about my passion around financial dignity and uh, financial resilience and the role that I think employers like my 
McDonald's employers can play in the process of scaling social change. So salaryfinance.com and you'll see lots about what we're doing and lots about me. And that's probably the easiest way to, to get to me. And we'll certainly be including all of those resources in our show notes so that people can directly link to them. And, and how full circle is that from your story to how your passion is playing out in your work and your purpose today? What a beautiful, beautiful kind of narrative that is. I'm so lucky, Jeff. I am so lucky because uh, I'm one of those individuals who knows the power of an employer. And um, there is a, a Lebanese poet, Khalil Gibran, and he, um, his, one of his famous quotes is, work is love made visible. And, and it always goes through my head, but it started with that one story with McDonald's and where we have come as employers, as you say, full circle to, you know, work is love made visible. And if you keep that in mind, then um, we can all change the world. Beautiful call to action. I hope many, many, many people hear this from time to come. And I'm so glad that we had a chance to capture that content with you, Anita. Thank you so much for your gift of time again for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. And thank you to you for, you know, creating this forum where leaders have an opportunity to share this and then making it, you know, broadly available to everybody. So, so we're grateful to you as leaders for, you know, taking up the mantle and, communicating so effectively. Thank you. My pleasure. Like you said, it's a gift and it's a joy to be able to live out your purpose and what you do. And it, it's, you never work another day in your life if you're doing that. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcast so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.